This is Binghamton Now on News Radio 1290, WNBF Binghamton and WNBF.com. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. Here's Kathy White. Good morning. It is 9.04. We're expecting some thunderstorm activity possibly later on today and into this evening. Currently it's 73 degrees, nice southwest breeze at 10 miles an hour, but the humidity is still up there with a dew point of 67. An 80% chance of showers and thunderstorms for today, mainly in the afternoon and a high in the mid-80s. President Joe Biden will be pushing for a new ban on assault-style weapons when he talks about his crime prevention plans in Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania. His trip today comes as Democrats and Republicans look for a leverage on law enforcement issues ahead of the midterm elections in November. White House Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre says that Biden will focus his remarks on, quote, the importance of making sure we protect our communities. Crime is a particularly fraught issue in Pennsylvania, which is a key swing state where a U.S. Senate seat and the governor's office are up for grabs. WMBF First News Time 905. Pennsylvania State Police say a New Jersey man is hospitalized with serious injuries after crashing an all-terrain vehicle in Susquehanna County on Friday evening. Troopers say 61-year-old Robert Macon of Bayonne was driving the ATV south on Lester Road at the intersection with Hamlin Road in Forest Lake Township around quarter of seven when he failed to negotiate a turn and lost control. Authorities say Macon's Yamaha Kodiak overturned and Macon was thrown from the vehicle. New Jersey man was airlifted from the scene by the Guthrie Life Flight helicopter. Troopers say he was taken to Guthrie Robert Packer Hospital in Sayre. The crash remains under investigation from the state police. They indicate that Macon should be ticketed for operation of the ATV on streets and highways. WMBF News Time 906. While the driver involved in a single-vehicle crash near Cincinnati over the weekend is under the legal drinking age, Cortland County Sheriff's officials say it's believed alcohol played a factor. Deputies say they responded to a report of a pickup truck into a tree shortly after 11 p.m. on Saturday. Authorities say they found that 20-year-old Anthony Bush of German, New York, was driving the pickup on McFarland Road when the vehicle left the road and hit the tree. The Sheriff's Office reports the 20-year-old was alone in the pickup at the time of the tr- crash. He was not injured. Investigators say they determined that Bush was driving the truck while he was under the influence of alcohol. He was subsequently arrested and ticketed. According to deputies, the Shenango County man is being charged with a misdemeanor count of driving while intoxicated and was ticketed for the violation of speed not reasonable and prudent. Bush has been ordered to appear in the town of Cincinnati's court next month. Well, you don't know what you might find for sale at the Great New York State Fair in Syracuse, and apparently not all of it is legal. On Saturday, troopers say they arrested a California man for criminal sale of a controlled substance. The authorities say they arrested 27-year-old Brian Johnston of Elk Grove during an investigation that's being conducted by the New York State Police Violent Gang and Narcotics Team into illicit narcotic sales on the grounds of the state fair. Authorities say they found the California man in possession of 14 grams of cocaine, 5 ounces of cannabis, and over $3,200 cash. Johnston is charged with felony counts of criminal sale of a controlled substance and criminal possession of a controlled substance with the intent to sell. Johnston was sent to the Onondaga County Justice Center. WMBF News Time 908. Question is, are wolves hunting and howling in the Northeast Woods again? 
more than a century after they were rooted out of the region. Advocates say a recent DNA analysis shows a large canine shot by a coyote hunter west of Albany in New York last winter was possibly a wolf. Not everyone is convinced. State wildlife officials say there is no evidence that wild wolves are back in the region. They do concede that there is a possibility of a scattered lone wolf here or there. New York environmental officials say a separate DNA analysis they commissioned determined the animal was most likely identified as an eastern coyote. But more tests are being done. The Copernic Observatory and Science Center in Vestal says it still has openings today for people to donate blood to the American Red Cross. Several blood drives have been held at the observatory on Underwood Road for the past year and a half, but there's still a big need for donors. Today's drive is from 1 till 6 p.m. Donors will receive a complimentary ticket to come to the observatory for a Friday night viewing through the telescopes. Those who give blood, platelets, or plasma in August are automatically entered for a chance to be one of three winners of gas for a year worth $6,000 plus a $10 e-card to a merchant of the winner's choice. The organizers are looking to raise 44 units today. For each pint of blood collected, up to three lives can be saved. For more information, go to copernic.org. WMBF Newstime, 909. The WMBF Twin Tiers forecast for today and tonight. Clouds, an 80% chance of showers and thunderstorms. Some storms could produce gusty winds and heavy rain. A high today in the mid-80s, low tonight in the low 60s. Patchy fog could be forming after midnight. That would give us patchy fog for tomorrow morning. A 30% chance of showers, otherwise mostly sunny. High in the upper 70s, winds could gust as high as 21 miles an hour as the front continues to move through. For Thursday, sunny, a high in the low 70s, but the low Thursday night could be getting into the upper 40s. Friday, sunny, a high near 80, and Saturday, sunny, a high in the mid-80s. Currently, it's 73 in Binghamton. It's 11 past 9. Where news breaks first, News Radio 1290, WMBF, WMBF.com, and 92.1. News Radio 1290, WMBF. Bob Joseph here, ready, willing, and able to take your calls right now, 607-772-1290. It's It is not Memorex. Whatever that means. Again, the number six zero seven 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 two twelve ninety. Email Bob at WNBF.com. August 30th, 2022, and we are ready to see what happens today. Still early, as somebody once told me. Even at 9-12, you have no idea what to expect over the next 8, 10, 12 hours. Anything can and sometimes will happen. And uh, we bid you a fun weekday morning here. As uh, the kids get ready for school, hopefully you have managed to get all your necessary school supplies for those fine kids or grandchildren as they uh, prepare to 
learn a few things. And uh, I think when they're not in school, I think the average child should be spending his or her morning listening to this program so they can learn a few things uh, about their world. This would be one of the best places for learning stuff about uh, things going on around here. Also check out the website, WNBF.com, with real, local, relevant news, things that you may not be able to find out about anywhere else on the planet. WNBF.com is there for you 24-7. Yeah, if you park in downtown Binghamton, your choices will be narrowed soon. The uh, one parking garage will have limited parking availability. Get all the details. Why are they limiting parking availability? Why would they close three levels of a parking garage when we already have a parking shortage? They just tore down the crumbling Bosco's parking garage. No sign of activity over there. I thought they would have had the new parking garage underway by now, but no such luck. And then now they're going to close three levels, so another downtown garage. I don't get it. I just don't get it. 914, let's start the proceedings off with Ron in Binghamton. Good morning. How are you? Good morning, Bob. I'm I'm just fine. I hope you are also. Say, Bob, um, I didn't get a chance to listen to Kathy or James earlier. I just turned on. So I don't know, Kathy may have reported uh, an accident, uh, an ATV accident in Pennsylvania. Had had you heard about a, a New Jersey man who was seriously injured in Pennsylvania uh, flying off his ATV? No, it sounds bad. That's bad. Yeah. That's uh, the problem, problem with people who are driving some of these ATVs is they drive them too fast and recklessly as well. Yeah, uh, what caught my attention, I feel, uh, I hope the man recovers, but what caught my attention is, and get ready for this, Bob, I bet you can guess the answer to this one. Guess where... Oh, a head injury. No, no, no. Oh, he didn't have a severe head injury? Well, I don't know. They just said he has serious injuries. I wasn't getting to that. Uh, what I wanted to mention was, in New Jersey, he's from New Jersey. Guess where in New Jersey he's from? Bayonne. Of course. You know, and I I hesitate to paint people with a broad brush in the same way as the Florida man has been painted by the liberal media as some sort of symbol. I'm not sure a symbol of what, but you know what I'm talking about. The Florida man is used now as sort of the punchline on, on jokes by the liberal media. The next thing you know, the liberal media will start using the guy from Bayonne, you know, including... The guy from Bayonne who now lives on the west side of Binghamton. You see what I'm saying? Where we're headed? Uh, yes, I, <laughs> I, I'm, seeing, I'm seeing a trend here. I'm disturbed. Yeah. You know, it's the liberal media, Ronald. Yeah, and you know, Bob, it's interesting. You just referred to that guy from Florida. He's been promoted. You used to call him that guy from Queens. Oh, that's true. Now, I still call him the former guy, TFG. Yeah, yeah. Hey, it, and, and a lot of times people hear TFG, and they say, you can't say that. 
I said, it's the former guy. What did you think I meant? Yeah, so it, it sounds fine to me. Uh, nothing, uh, nothing negative or disparaging in that acronym. No, initially. no, well, absolutely not. You didn't do that, but but that leads me to my actually the topic I called about. That lead you led me right into it. Uh, I'll, I'll just ask you: Have you been noting lately what's happening in the area of Cassville, Missouri? No, what happened? Well, uh, the Cassville, Missouri school system is about to reinstitute corporal punishment. Oh, okay. I forgot the name of the community. I was going to bring that up. I heard that story last week, and I filed that away for over the weekend so it wouldn't bother me but i i did mean to bring that up yes the the small missouri school district that now will be equipping some personnel with paddles yes and then uh calling you i couldn't help but think i wonder back when you were at was it homer brink yes homer brink kindergarten with mrs blackwell and um I you probably escaped paddling, but uh, I I understand that you might it might have served you well to uh, limit your incorrigibility later in life. Well, that's a good point. If if Mrs. Blackwell had not spared the paddle, maybe I wouldn't have turned out with this <clears throat> troubling attitude. Yes, yes. I did also, there was an uh, an allusion in, in something I was reading to the fact that these paddling uh, school districts or the school districts that wish to have paddling tend to be Trump-supported school districts. They're, they like Trump. So Trump and paddling somehow might be connected down in, uh, you know, the the uh, elections in November and in 2024, that might be an issue, might be, because we talk about schools, you know, um, what's taught in schools, parents getting involved in the school. So, you know, you might see paddling uh, uh, as an issue when we have a debate. Yeah. What if um, the former guy, TFJ, or TFG, what if the former guy actually became a substitute teacher at a small school district near Palm Beach. I'd like to punch him in the face, I'll tell you. <laughs> See what I'm saying? He doesn't, hey, need, he doesn't need no stinking paddle. You're reminding me of those B-movies in the 50s with these nefarious characters. The movie would be The Paddler. That's that. <laughs> I like that. The Paddler. <laughs> Tonight, the paddler. Look out for the paddler. Also known as the former guy. (laughs) I wish he would call. You know, people think he'll never call, and that's probably true. But, you know, he still could. You know, I, I, I actually do operate on the premise that I'll never have the opportunity to speak with him again. Which is good. I mean, obviously, that's a coping mechanism. That's how I manage to live day to day. But the reality is, when I least expect it, both that former guy and the other former guy from Queens could be calling in simultaneously. Or even better, they could call in conferenced. You know, just like on April Fool's Day next year, the two former guys from Queens, after they've had a few, 
moxies, that is, um, say, why don't we, you know what we could do? Why don't we, like, at 11.45, call in, we'll, we'll conference each other so we'll be on the same line, and then see if we could get through the call screener, because the call screener isn't going to buy that it's two form- really two former guys from Queens on the same call. They'll think that it's just Bob's friends trying to pull one over. But let's see if we could get through, and then if we do, we could give Bob the interview of his life. Well, Bob, you know, here's the thing. There are a lot of uh, Donald Trump impersonators, okay? Uh, but uh, how about, uh, I might play a trick on you and get a Judge Janine impersonator to call you. No, I I insist. She's the only one I insist. If I do an interview with, it must be here in the studio. With Judge Janine? Yes. <laughs> you see if she likes Vegemite. <laughs> Vegemite and Moxie. Yes, yes. Now, wouldn't that be an awkward turn of events after all these years of those little witty barbs and arrows aimed at her driving inability? Wouldn't it be interesting if, in a, a, a bizarro twist, she came into the studio and one thing led to another? Hey. Led to another to what end? I don't know. I don't know. That's why. That's why radio is great. It's the theater of the mind. I don't have to go any further. Most of the listeners already have uh, spit out their coffee or oatmeal. Well, if she gave you, if she offered to give you uh, a lift to Endicott, uh, would you go with her? Absolutely. Perhaps. <laughs> Yeah, you're, you're, you are uh, encouraged. Yeah. I'm. Uh, what can I say? I I I want people to be happy. That's that's what I'm about. Ultimately, as I usually close the program with the witty phrase "mission accomplished," as made popular by President Bush on that ship when truly the mission was nowhere near to it having been accomplished. But um, yeah, my mission is simple and straightforward. It's for total happiness for everyone hey bob one last thing uh george bush when he went on an aircraft carrier that had the big sign mission accomplished do you know that on the way to the aircraft carrier in the jet he was allowed to fly the jet for a a short while you would be allowed to drive judge janine's car for a short while on your trip (laughs) wouldn't that be funny so i say how, how about this, Judge, Judge J, Judge Jenny? She would let me call her Judge Jenny. JJ, how about this? How about you let me drive out past Owego on 17 westbound, and I can reenact what happened on that fateful Sunday as you were heading to Elmira, your hometown. So that happens, and everything is going well until a trooper pulls me over, and she claims that she clocked me going 120 miles an hour. And I would say, of course, as far as I know, most New York State troopers don't have BWCs, body-worn cameras, yet. So I would say, absolutely, I was going 120 miles an hour, and I did it intentionally because I wanted to show my new friend here, Double J, that I can 
go fast through Nichols as well. But because the trooper probably would not have been equipped yet with a BWC body-worn camera, she wouldn't be able to use that damning evidence during my trial. And so ultimately the ticket would be dismissed because my good friend, Double J, she would never testify against me. Well, Bob, I don't know who you remind me more of, uh, Geraldo Rivera or Evil Knievel. Hmm. I'm like I'm like Geraldo with my shirt on. Geraldo, yeah. Remember that one time? I, well, you don't use Twitter. One time, Geraldo almost broke Twitter because he posted a picture of himself shirtless. Now, the shirtless look does work for some people. It worked for Vladimir Putin back when he was a peace-loving man. Um, as far as Geraldo, all I'll say is that... That wasn't a good look. No, it, it was not. But he does good work. Oh, he does great work. Ron, it's truly been a pleasure. We certainly did cover a lot of ground. Certainly did. Thank you. Let's <laughs> see what happens next time. Same bat channel, same bat station. 607-772-1290. Beverly from the town of Dickinson. Good morning. Hello. Hey. Uh uh, have you seen uh, the, the students uh, drive around that roundabout lately? I did. I was just up there. I was over by your house uh, 45 minutes ago. I waved, but you weren't outside. Oh, I'll wave to you now. <laughs> uh, thank you. So I was up there. I drove um, I drove the bo- both the roundabouts up... Um, North, because they have a place called SUNY Broom. And then after I did, I took some pictures around there for an upcoming news story. And then I headed back to Binghamton. And I, you know me, I want to always be on time to start the program uh, on time. So I said, oh, thank goodness for the roundabouts. I'll, I'll be able to get back to the studio even sooner than I thought. I got here earlier today than i normally do on on another day even though i had to go to upper front street near suny broom campus thanks to the roundabouts yep they're beautiful by the way and i saw students driving them and i have never seen so many happy campers yeah they seem to be they seem to be uh, doing pretty good i mean uh, one, t- one thing about it, you don't have to wait for the light. That's the best thing. You know, the problem that I used to have before they put roundabouts in, whether it was on Front Street in the town of Dickinson or that beautiful 10-year-old roundabout here on Court Street, it really frosted my flakes to have to sit there at a red light and wasting my time and gas. Oh, yeah. You know, I don't have that kind of money, and I also don't have that kind of time. My time is valuable. It's too valuable to be sitting at a, a red traffic signal minute after minute when nobody else is around. And I also don't have that kind of time. Yeah, the cab drivers like it, uh, like sitting there at the lights because it, it adds more money onto their, what do you call those things that take the, um, oh, what are those things? The ticker. They're a little yeah, ticker or yeah, clicker. Yeah, the ticker, yes. Yeah. They have them in uh, New York City. Yeah, New York City, 
they they calculate it based on I think every fifth of a mile or every minute. So so it adds up fast. If you're taking a cab in New York City, you better bring a few thousand bucks. Oh, probably cost more than that. Yeah. Anything going on this weekend except mm. the state fair? No, I think I'm going to go up to the state fair. Oh, you are. All right, because I want to get um, I want to pose with the butter sculpture. Oh, yeah, I saw that before. Yeah. That's it's, uh, neat. It's beautiful. Anyway, hope you have a great day. Yeah, you too. 929 WNBF, the station that truly serves the nation in more ways than one. And now we're pleased to be joined by Karen Sweet O'Neill. Good morning. Morning, Bob. How are you? I am well. How are things? Things are well. Things are good. Sure. So yeah. what will be on the agenda tomorrow morning at approximately 9.20 when you join us live? Well, we're going to talk about a survey that was done in the New York Times. It was around a month ago, um, but I, I, I liked it, and so I kept it. And it's six ways to cope in this market. And as you and I both know, many, um, uh, probably all of our listeners, the market's up, it's down, the volatility is there. And we're heading into September, and typically and historically, September is a really rough month for the market. So I thought it would be advantageous just to, uh, you know, to explore, and there's six people that they picked in all different age groups and how they chose and what they're, well, basically what they're choosing to do, Bob, to work towards retirement and how the market is helping them or not helping them and what they, you know, what coping mechanisms they're using, whether it be advised by a financial advisor or they're doing it themselves. And they're in all different age groups, as I said before, which means that the closer you are to retirement, obviously, the less aggressive a lot of people want to be. But at the same time, you don't want to not make money in the market because you need that money. You need your money to work for you. So we're going to talk about um, all those things and how you can combat that and protect yourself so you have financial security. And so you can retire, you know, when you want to, um, hopefully in the near future if that's your choice. I'm looking at that feature, and uh, the uh, person I'm focused on sounds like uh, a person I'd like to meet. Her name is Leslie, and her description, she uh, describes herself as a lifelong news junkie. So it sounds like Leslie and I would get along well because we could talk about news all day. Mm-hmm. So there. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. All the people that responded, very interesting, um, all different ends of the spectrum. So it's a, you know, it's a good uh, sampling of America. Yeah, that's uh, I. I had seen the piece a few weeks ago when mm-hmm. when it ran in the Times. I didn't actually read it, but I, I saw and I, I kind of had uh, intended to to look it through. Now I'm I'm glancing at it, so I see the the profiles of half a dozen people have different outlooks. So that'll be a, a a very valuable segment when we talk about that tomorrow because everybody has their own specific circumstances, depending right now on their age, their employment status, things like health, and also what their goals are. Everybody has different goals. That's right, and their family situations. And so, uh, it's, like I said, it's a good sampling. So, yeah, we'll discuss it tomorrow. 
All right. Six ways to cope in this market. Sort of a jumping off point from the the story, the article in the New York Times uh, recently. We will focus on that when we talk with Karen Sweet O'Neill tomorrow. In the meantime, if people would like to get in touch with Karen Sweet O'Neill and KSO Insurance Solutions, how can they do that? They can do it several ways, Bob. They can give us a call at 607-772-4898. They can Google us at KSO Insurance. All of our contact information comes up. We're up on the Parkway, 1708 Vestal Parkway East, up above uh, Plato's Closet and Style Encore. Drive right up to us, up where the um, old Howard's Florist was. So... You, we we like you to reach us in, you know, the way that you feel most comfortable. We are already, Bob, taking appointments for open enrollment. So secure your spot and give us a call. Karen Sweet O'Neill, hope you have a terrific day, and I will look forward to speaking with you tomorrow morning around 920. Very good, and I hope you do too. Thanks, Bob. Thank you. We are WNBF, and we are on air at 92.1 FM and 1290 AM and streaming at WNBF.com. We're here for you. We'll take a few more calls as well on this Tuesday morning. If you have things to talk about, the local issues, the state issues, the national issues, almost any issue, you may bring it up. Who knows? You can establish the direction for today's program, depending on your topicality, 607-772-1290, or send an email to bob at wnbf.com. Save on... Nine thirty-seven WNBM. There's good news for presidential speech fans. There will be a presidential speech in our backyard coming up today. So if you enjoy the presidential speeches, you're in luck. The um, guy from uh, Scranton, uh, Brandon Joe, will be um, in Wilkesbury. So if you want to. Hear a presidential speech. If you haven't heard a presidential speech lately, uh, today might be a good day to uh, put the um, kids and the dogs in the car for um, a presidential extravaganza. It's coming up this afternoon. I might even go down to the um, big site. I'm looking now. He's... uh, He's supposed to be there in Wilkesbury soon. As Marshall Keeley reports for the news station, Channel 16 WNEP, it's take two on President Biden's visit to Wilkesbury. He's expected to arrive in the Charm City this afternoon. Some students are expecting a lot of buzz, probably because they're going to be drinking 
36-ounce coffees. President Biden will be on his way to the, oh, I thought it was Charm City, the Diamond City. I guess Baltimore is Charm City. He'll be on his way to the Diamond City for an afternoon address weeks after his initial visit was postponed when he tested positive for COVID-19. Barriers are already set up outside the big building awaiting the arrival of the 46th president. One student, Mara Adams, said some people have gotten out of class because it's such a big deal that he's coming. She said, I think it's going to be a lot busier and a little bit frantic. It's a good thing that he's coming and talking to our school. Another student, a freshman, Evan Cole, said it's something to see the president. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter who it is. You see it, and it's like that's the person running it. So Evan Cole knows a thing or two about the President of the United States. That's the person running it. So uh, Joe Biden will be there. His visit is going to fall on the second day of classes at the university and just a week after the administration announced sweeping changes to federal uh, student loans, including some student loan forgiveness for certain deserving people. One student said everything is going up, and it's going to continue to go up over the years. Evan Cole said, I think any help with college tuition and funding is a great help. So he might be very well received when he shows up in Wilkesbury this afternoon. Students will be so happy to see the guy who is going to save them potentially thousands of dollars. Maybe not them, maybe their parents, whoever was supposed to foot the bill for their education. Another student in Wilkesbury, Carly Yuhas, said especially with our tuition going up and being a pharmacy major, our last year, we don't really get any financial aid. She said, I think with the student loans, it will definitely be helpful. Being a college student, I'm 20, it's not easy to keep up with money. The White House says President Biden's visit will focus on the Safer America plan, which is intended to address gun violence across the United States. So maybe he'll mention Binghamton. Maybe he'll mention a specific case in Binghamton. He could say something that happened just up the road, just up Interstate 81. So we'll be listening carefully to what President Biden says during his visit today to Wilkesbury. That one student we just mentioned, Carly Yuhas, according to Channel 16 WNEP, the news station in Scranton, and she said, as the world goes on, it gets scarier and scarier at each day. You never know what's going to happen, so just keep our country safe. So she knows a thing or two about what what this country's goals ought to be. Just keep our country safe. So that's a commendable attitude. I encourage her to finish her studies and then work to keep our country safe. For the good people who listen to news radio, WNBF and WNBF.com, our number is 607-772-1290. If you're going to... Head down to Wilkesbury to hear the president's planned message about the Safer America Plan, also known as SAP. 
uh, give us a call, 607-772-1290. If you want to hear about SAP, Safer America Plan. Hi, WNBF. Good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Hi, Bob. Hi, you're on the air from WNBF Radio here in Binghamton. What's your first name? Yeah, it's Brenda from Forks. No, I just wanted to talk about the stuff, the flooding that's going on in Mississippi. I've seen the pictures. I was like, oh, my gosh, devastating. Did you hear about that, Bob, and see the pictures? I saw it. I saw it on Action News. Yeah. Devastating, right? Oh, it's just oh, unreal. It's, uh, it was terrible. It's terrible. And, and you know, that kind of devastation and destruction, I, oh, my, my heart goes out to the people because that it's it's terrible now, but the the other thing to consider is how many months or years it'll take to clean up and then rebuild. Yeah, well, we've had flooding here, but I'll tell you what, no comparison to what they they got going on down there, and my heart pours out for those people. My God, it's just terrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a shame. Yeah, well, anyway, beautiful day today and a beautiful day yesterday. we got to enjoy it because fall is right around the corner. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was nice <laughs> Nice last night. Had uh, had a little uh, dinner out on the deck. Visited, uh, we'll, we'll call it a consultant, a consultant, a person who knows some important things. And we had discussions about some important issues on the deck uh, during dinner last night, so we could focus on on what we need to. Looking forward to September, so we're going to have a lot of great topicality coming up on the program. Good. Okay. Well, you take care, Bob. All right. Thanks for checking in. WNBF. WNBF. dot com. It's nine forty five. Truly live and truly local with Bob Joseph. WNBF, 948 in the Northeast. Robert from Richford in Tioga County. Good morning. You're on the air. I'd like to talk about, first of all, the reception for WNBF. It's better in Richford than it is in Illegal. And uh, gas prices, why are they going down? There are a number of factors. One thing, demand has gone down a bit. Also, things around the world have stabilized a bit. Um, You know, the the war in Ukraine, of course, continues unabated. But a a lot of the the earlier chaos and and uncertainty around the world in terms of oil supplies, that's that's not as big an issue at the moment. Well, I can tell you right now that I drive a lot of miles. And uh, demand is still high. Gas lines are there. Oh, that's true. I'm not saying it's it's not high. I, I think it's still a little bit lower than it was maybe two months ago. But you're right, compared to a year ago or t- especially two years ago when things were almost totally shut down. Remember in the early part of the pandemic when many people had to stay home and even those who could go to work or whatever, uh, probably couldn't go on vacation. So there was a lot less travel during 2022. So you're right, compared to uh, the last year or two, demand and gas usage is is up quite a bit. 
And, uh, oh, my gosh, I forgot what I was going to say. Uh, so what's the um, what's the gas price, the standard gas price right now that, that you're seeing around your area in Tioga County? It's a, well, I don't buy gas in Tioga County. Um, actually, it's a, oh, right around $4 a gallon. Yeah, that's pretty typical. I saw one place. It was uh, three eighty nine. Uh, the cheapest place is in Oligo. Right. Scott Smith. Uh, it's around three dollars and seventy cents. Yeah, they do good work. I was talking to some people there, and uh, people are happy with them. But then today, up on uh, Front Street near SUNY Broom Campus, there were some kids selling gas for four twenty nine. So if you shop around, depending on where you are and how urgent it is to get gas, I mean, if you plan your uh, refueling appropriately, you can probably find some relatively good deals. On the other hand, if you really need gas, I mean, let's face it, if you're running on fumes, you'd probably be willing to pay $10 a gallon for gas so you don't run out. But, um, you know, if you... Keep an eye on on the prices. You can find some relatively inexpensive gas. Um, about roundabout. The best roundabout I've been on is a big one, Carrier Circle, in Syracuse. And I tried that uh, on Front Street, but I couldn't. I couldn't really get a feeling for it because it was rainy. It was. Late at night, it was rainy. I couldn't see that good, and you know how it is when it rains. And yeah, I don't like to drive in the rain, especially uh, at night. Try, at night, I want I want to try Upper Front Street on uh, during the daytime. Yeah, you should try it. I uh, as I told Beverly earlier this hour, I I just went both um, up north on Front Street towards SUNY Broom Campus and then on the way back downtown. I, I thought thought it was fine. Traffic was very light uh, last hour, say around 8, 8.20 when I uh, went up there and about 8.45 when I was heading uh, downtown to get here to the studio. So uh, now everybody seemed to have no problem. Everybody just seemed to like it. I think everybody was just probably happy that they didn't have to put up with traffic signals at those um, intersections. Well, the problem roundabouts are that that uh, people use them a lot. I use one on Riverside Drive, and uh, people need to yield better. Well, that's true, and and by the way, that's that's not just uh, the case of roundabouts. People need to know how to yield better in all circumstances, and and merging. There's there's an art that some people apparently never uh, fully got the grasp of, or weren't taught about the, the the whole concept of of merging. You know, if you merge on or off a, a highway and do it right, everything is fine, but uh, too often I see people don't leave enough space for other vehicles. I, I, I guess probably it's because they don't have driver's ed at the schools anymore. Well, uh, people don't yield like they, or drive defensively, I should say. Um, they, uh, 
people use them a lot. Do not drive defensively. Yeah, well, that's the main thing. Drive defensively. The other phrase that I like to use, situational awareness. Be aware of your situation at all times. Pay attention ahead of you, on your sides, and behind you, and keep always keep scanning. Don't get focused, say, just on one, one perspective. Sometimes I think people are focused only looking ahead, which you do have to do. You look as far ahead as possible when you're driving, but also be aware of, of people who may have approached you on your sides or people especially in the the summer months people are driving too fast on on motorcycles you know some of these motorcyclists who think it's clever to run at 100 plus miles an hour on some highways usually with a friend you know that's what i've noticed when reckless motorcycling is is observed it's it's quite typical that it's with at least one other person sometimes it's even a group of really crazed motorcyclists. I mean, I I don't want anybody to be hurt. I just worry that they're going to hurt themselves, and and then also because of their antics of going too fast and driving recklessly, that they might hurt other people. Well, well, I say the key is to drive defensively. That's it, man. That's it. And the last last time I was on that traffic circle on Riverside Drive, I came in from. Uh, 434 on 201, and I ended up on 40 Ave. I don't know how I did that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it it can happen. Unfortunately, it it can occasionally happen, especially if it's something a, a, a roundabout you rarely use. You know, that's one of those smaller roundabouts, and and so you've got yes, traffic flowing from 201 between Johnson City and Vestal, and then you have the access points to Riverside Drive and also to uh, Floral Avenue. And if you're not careful, you, indeed, you might wind up on, on a street you didn't intend to. But good news about that roundabout, the 201 roundabout, if, if you do inadvertently wind up on, on the wrong street, it's not as though it's um, a thing that's going to delay you long because you just... It it worked out okay because yeah. I went up to uh, Main Street and down to Front Street and, and got on Riverside Drive that way, which it worked out okay. Yeah, yeah, it usually does. Robert, I appreciate your call. Thanks for your time. Bye. Bye. Uh, 9.56. This is Bob Joseph on WNBF, WNBF.com. The country's... WNBF, back to the phones. Dale in Binghamton. Good morning. You're on the air. Uh, good morning, Bob. What's I, up? Uh, um, just worried about all this electricity that's going to be going around on the road. You know, my California is going to switch them in 13 years. Oh, with so, the electric vehicles. Yeah, and you won't be able to buy one, you know, just to uh, go to the store because they're so expensive. Right now, anyway. But uh, it, uh, I understand uh, Endicott has a place that they're going to take all those those used batteries out of those cars, which will just throw away the whole car besides replace the battery. And uh, they're going to recycle them right there across the street from houses that people live in. 
Well, I think that that plan was scrapped, but maybe they'll come up with a new recycling plan. I think that would be yeah, uh, obviously it needs somewhere. to be done. Hey, we have the news coming up. I appreciate your call. More after the news, right here on W, where news breaks first. News Radio twelve ninety WNBF. Here's Kathy White. Good morning. It's ten oh four. Waiting for a chance of rain, mainly this afternoon. National Weather Service is saying an 80% chance of showers and thunderstorms as we move through the afternoon hours, especially, and a high in the mid-80s. Currently, it's 76. Clouds are starting to build in. Southwest wind at 8 miles an hour. And we are still well ensconced in the humidity with a dew point at 68. Broome County prosecutors are reporting two convicted drug felons are headed to New York State Prison. In the latest report from the Broome County District Attorney's Office on county court activity, 47-year-old Gregory Jackson of the Bronx has been sentenced to three years in state prison to be followed by two years post-release supervision after pleading guilty to criminal possession of a controlled substance. Authorities say Jackson admitted possessing cocaine and fentanyl he intended to sell. Jackson was arrested this past March by the Broome County Special Investigations Unit Task Force as they executed a search warrant on a vehicle being driven by Jackson in the village of Johnson City and found the cocaine and fentanyl in the vehicle. Meanwhile, prosecutors say 44-year-old Michael Carley of Johnson City and Anderson, South Carolina, pleaded guilty to felony drug possession in Broome County Court. Carly was arrested January 20th after Vestal Police conducted a traffic stop for a suspended registration. Authorities say they took Carly into custody due to a warrant and an unrelated charge. And as they were placing him under arrest, they say they found an eighth of an ounce of methamphetamine. The district attorney's office says Carly will be sentenced to two years in New York State Prison, followed by two years post-release supervision in November. Pennsylvania State Police say a Tawanda man is accused of stealing thousands of dollars from a home and using the cash to buy a few necessities like a diamond ring and a vape pen. 23-year-old Damian Wells is being charged in the theft of $3,500 from a 22-year-old man's home. State police say Wells allegedly only used a portion of the stolen money to buy some personal things. The officials say the cash that wasn't used to buy a cell phone, the diamond ring, and tobacco vape was recovered and returned to the owner. Authorities say the theft allegedly happened around 12 a.m. on August 26th at a home on Chestnut Hills Lane in Tawanda Township. WMBF News Time 1006. The Tompkins County Health Department is looking for a dog that bit a person last week in the Mulholland Wildflower Preserve in Ithaca. Officials say the dog bit a person Wednesday at around 2.30 p.m., halfway between the first and second dam. The site is located off Guile Street. In a health alert issued by the health department, the dog in question is described as being one of two medium to large black dogs that were being walked on leashes. The person in control of the canines is described as a white man with dreadlocks. He was accompanied by a woman on the walk. Health department officials say they need to verify the vaccination status of the dogs. The health officials say in addition to determining whether the dog that bit the victim is up to date on rabies vaccinations, they would like to verify the overall health of the biting dog through an at-home observation over a 10-day period. If the dog can be located and is observed to be healthy by the Tompkins County Department of Health, the risk of rabies infection can be ruled out, and the rabies post-exposure treatment for the person who was bitten may not be necessary. 
Anyone with information regarding the dog is urged to call the Tompkins County Environmental Health Division at 607-274-6688. Staff is on call 24 hours a day at that number to take calls related to rabies and bites. Health officials remind the public of the importance of getting bites checked out as soon as possible to determine if rabies post-exposure treatment is needed. Pet owners are urged to keep their animals up to date on the shots and away from wildlife. People should not approach animals they don't know and never approach wildlife. WMBF First News Time 1008. Some people who live, work, or shop in downtown Binghamton may have to find their parking elsewhere than where they're used to for several days because of an upcoming Luma Projection Arts Festival you may have heard about. The two lowest floors of the State Street parking garage, that's levels C and D, have already been closed off. A sign at the ramp entrance now advises users that level B will soon be closing. The notice indicates that that level is going to close Thursday. The Binghamton Garage will be the setting for Horizon. That's by Playmode's Studio of Spain. Luma will be the setting for the United States debut. This year's Luma event is being held September 9th and 10th at several locations in downtown Binghamton. All levels of the State Street parking garage are due to reopen September 12th. WMBF Newstime 10.09. The WMBF Twin Tiers forecast for today and tonight. An 80% chance of showers and thunderstorms. Some storms could produce gusty winds and heavy rain. High today in the mid-80s, low tonight in the low 60s. And then we have some patchy fog setting in after midnight. Tomorrow starts off with patchy fog in the morning, a 30% chance of showers, otherwise mostly sunny. High in the upper 70s, but still some wind associated with that passing front. Wind gusts could be as high as 21 miles per hour. Thursday, sunny, a high in the low 70s. A heads up, the low Thursday night could be into the 40s. Friday, sunny, a high near 80. And Saturday, sunny, high in the mid-80s. If you're planning for the long Labor Day holiday weekend, Sunday, mostly sunny, low 80s and Labor Day, partly sunny, high in the upper 70s. Currently at 76 in Binghamton. It's 10 11, where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WMBF, WMBF.com, and 92.1 FM. WNBF with Bob Joseph, Tuesday morning. We are here for you to help bring you some beautiful radio. 607-772-1290 or email bob at wnbf.com. We encourage you to participate. Bring up the issues that are of concern to you and your family. Again, the phone number is 607-772-1290 to talk on News Radio, WNBF 92.1 FM and 1290 AM. And we, of course, love news tips. If you have a news tip about something, the best thing to do is really to send it to bob at wnbf.com. If it's a sensitive issue, then just say, sensitive issue and keep my name out of this <clears throat> and we will we'll keep your name out of it if your name doesn't belong 
with that story, even if you have some relevant information about something going on around here, uh, just let me know. We protect the identities of our sources. That's what we do right here on News Radio WNBF. Protect the identities of the sources. That is the way to go. So if you have a, a news tip, send it to Bob at WNBF.com. Coming up, we'll talk about all oh, things like COVID 19 and monkeypox and polio and who knows what else. It's all coming up next when we speak with Mary McFadden from the Broome County Health Department live on this Tuesday morning from News Radio WNBF. With Bob Joseph. News Radio 1290, Tuesday morning, this is Bob Joseph live on News Radio WNBF. We're joined now by Broome County Health Director Mary McFadden. Good morning. Good morning, Bob. How are you? I'm well. How are things? Things are good. Oh, okay. You should put that message up on on your flashing sign at 225 Front Street just for a change to confuse people driving past there some Tuesday morning. Things are good. (laughs) Well, it's all how you look at it. (laughs) I look at that sign to get the latest on what I need to be concerned about from a public health standpoint. I use that as as my guidance. I'm glad you're, you're looking, Bob. Thank you. What bothers me, though, is sometimes you turn it off. Sometimes late at night when there's not a lot of traffic on Front Street, somebody actually turns it off. I was not aware. I need to make sure it's on all the time. Yeah. Just in case you're looking. Well, or maybe somebody who needs late-breaking public health information. Absolutely. Anyway, uh, a lot to talk about today, so let's let's hit, hit the big one. It's still COVID-19. I feel like Casey Kasem counting them down. And still, after more than two and a half years, the number one overriding public health concern uh, still seems to be COVID-19. Where do things stand now in Broome County, especially as we approach the opening of schools in a few days? Yes, uh, COVID is still with us, unfortunately. But uh, the good news is, Bob, uh, the recommendations from the CDC have changed for the K through 12 schools and giving our schools who have done an amazing job in the last three years dealing with uh, COVID-19 a much more flexibility. And, um, you know, right now we have a lot of mitigation strategies. We have first and foremost, the vaccine for six months and older. And then we are aware of treatment strategies um, like the antivirals and the monoclonal antibodies that are available. So, you know, we and the fact that we can test anytime we need to. So we have a lot of ammunition against COVID-19 right now, which has allowed the schools um, to implement some different rules this school year. So as we prepare for the reopening of schools, are you anticipating things will be relatively calm and something approaching normal for this school year, or don't you know what to expect? No, I I believe that, again, um, following what we've historically seen in the past and, you know, the waves of COVID and, and how it spreads, schools have been relatively stable 
Um, and with the uh, different things that people can do to prevent COVID-19 from happening, um, you know, we've, we've seen that children are able to stay in school for the most part and have a safe environment to learn. What else should we know? Oh, I know what I wanted to ask you about. They used to have this deal from the federal government where you could punch in your name to a website and order more COVID home testing kits. But I understand uh, that because they, I guess, don't want to allocate more money for those free testing kits, that that opportunity is is going to end this week unless something changes. Yes, um, unfortunately, at the federal government level. Um, but here in New York, we still locally in the Broome County Health Department have over-the-counter test kits available in our lobby free for the public. And Governor Hochul has um, received 3 million test kits that are being deployed to uh, all schools in New York State. So our Broome County schools will be able to provide families with test kits for children. So that's all, that's a great thing that we are, we still have that available here locally. And at this time, do you believe you have a, a sufficient number of home test kits, uh, say available, not just for school testing, but as you mentioned, available at the health department on Front Street? Uh, will that suffice at least for the foreseeable future? Yes, I believe we do have a good amount of tests available that should we need them. Um, and that we could replenish them. Speaking with Mary McFadden from the Broome County Public Health Operation, is it really an operation or is it more of a department? Um, It's both. I think, you know, in the department we have operations. We work with partners to ensure these operations go countywide and ensure people are informed with everything that they need to know to be healthy and stay healthy and eliminate disease. What's the biggest lesson you've learned since the COVID experience began in early 2020? Oh, Bob, there's so many lessons. Um, I guess the first and foremost is that, you know, we're all human and um, that we need to really stick together to move the needle on things. And working together with people, working together with our community is just critically important in order to um, do what we've done and to be able to go back into work, into school, and live normal activities while still being cautious and knowing what to do if we get in a situation where, uh, you know, we need to protect ourselves or others should COVID um, be something that we're dealing with. Seems to me that the local health departments along with state experts and of course those at the national level have um, faced so many multiple challenges simultaneously over the last few years and that shows no sign of letting up of course with some of the emerging concerns regarding monkeypox especially in the new york city area where the vast majority of cases in new york have have been confirmed but even the fact now that that some additional cases continue to be reported upstate, including here in Broome and Tioga counties. What should people know, the most important things that people should know going forward, at least in the, the coming weeks, about monkeypox and, as you see it, the potential health concerns regarding monkeypox, say, 
as we approach fall? Great question. So monkeypox, um, it was a disease that originally came from uh, West and Central Africa. It's part of the smallpox family of viruses. And um, what's concerning about this is these cases that we have now are not typically seen in past outbreaks, and, and that's why it's a little bit more concerning. Um, while it's not as contagious as COVID-19, um, anybody could get monkeypox. Um, and we just need to know the basic premises of disease prevention in terms of being sick, staying home, washing your hands. Um, monkeypox is rarely fatal, but if an individual does get it, it can be an extremely painful situation. Um, Transmission can occur if people are skin-to-skin contact. That means an individual who um, has contact with lesions or scabs or body fluids of a person who's been infected with monkeypox. Um, touching items such as clothing or bedding or towels or anything that's been previously touched by a person with monkeypox who has the infectious rash or uh, body fluids on an object can also be a route for transmission. So, you know, it's it's not common like we see with COVID uh, transmission, but people should be aware of it. They should know what symptoms um, are um, come up with monkeypox, and it's generally a blister-like rash. People feel like they have a fever, um, swollen lymph nodes. They might have body aches or headaches a sore throat or nasal congestion, but the emphasis is that rash is usually something, and they'd want to talk to their health care provider about it. Is it transmissible by shaking hands? Um, you shouldn't, unless you have lesions on your hands and you've gone and put your hands somewhere where that virus could get into your body, um, it's generally a you know, you really have to have a lot of contact with an individual to be able to get monkeypox. Do you anticipate any need for monkeypox vaccines in Broome County? At this point, there are two confirmed cases. Do you, as the public health director, expect any effort to vaccinate people in Broome County? Um, I, I Right now, uh, we are a low-risk area. Um, the individuals uh, who had monkeypox, those uh, cases did not have local close contacts. So there was not a need for vaccination here in Broome County. Has the risk increased now that Binghamton University students have returned to the area? given the fact that so many of them are from New York City and Long Island, where most of New York State's cases have been reported so far. Mm -hmm. That is true. Um, That's where most of the cases are. Um, But I think just in general, when you have a larger population of people that can be infected with other diseases, there always is a a potential risk. Um, But just because we have a larger population, you know, 
the officials at BU are on top of this and um, have all the education and protocol and policies in place uh, like they do and did with COVID-19 for monkeypox. Mary McFadden is director of the Broome County Health Department. No shortage of topics, I have to say. I, I wish that weren't so, but plenty plenty of important health-related topics. We haven't heard, gee, it had been a long time, many, many years since we had heard anything about polio. And then just in the last several weeks, there have been new concerns about polio here in New York State. What is the uh, concern? Should there be any real concern about polio reemerging here in the southern tier in Broome County? What do people in the Binghamton area need to know that polio apparently has been circulating, at least in some communities downstate? Yeah, Bob, another concerning disease that we thought, you know, we wouldn't see here. Um, the last case was 1991 in New York State, and uh, truly had, it had been eradicated in uh, the U.S. Uh, but unfortunately, there was an individual, a paralytic polio case, which means a, per- a person is actually paralyzed down in Rockland County. Um, and since then, there has been uh, wastewater samples collected in July and August from Sullivan County, Rockland County, Orange County, um, and New York City that all had uh, evidence of local transmission of circulating polio in that wastewater. So our message right now for Broome County residents is to ensure that your children and yourselves are up to date on your polio immunizations. Um, You know, we don't want to see this disease because it's very contagious. It's a serious life-threatening disease um, that can spread, you know, person to person very easily. So it's very important. Vaccine will help prevent transmission. So um, that's what we're encouraging right now. Talk to your doctor, get your children in, make sure they're vaccinated. They have to, to attend school. Um, But we only have an 85% vaccination rate here in Broome County, which is good, um, better than um, some of the downstate counties that are seeing this. But we still have some room for improvement. The rabid fox. Everybody seems to have viewed the Tompkins County rabid fox attack that was um, circulating on social media last week, apparently, if one is to believe the uh, the reports attached to social media, a woman was attacked by a rabid fox in late July, and then suddenly, uh, about a month later, this strangely edited clip of the woman apparently fending off a, a rabid fox in the town of Caroline uh, makes the rounds. The thing about rabid animals, I mean, whether it's a rabid fox or anything else, that's not really unusual here in upstate New York. Uh, Broome County, Tioga County, and other health departments deal with confirmed cases of of rabid animals on a fairly regular basis, correct? Correct, correct. And now is the season two, Bob. And and just like you said, you know, um, some of the more common animals we see that could be rabid are raccoons, foxes, skunks, or bats. So it's important for people to, first of all, um, stay away from wild animals uh, 
And if they become threatening, you can call a local animal control officer um, and try to get away from it And before you get um, scratched or bitten. And if you do um, get scratched or bitten, you should wash out that wound immediately and seek medical attention um, and report it to our Broome County Health Department. Do you know the last time that uh, a person was actually bitten or people were bitten by a a rabid fox in Broome County? Uh, That's a good question, and I don't have a date. Based on news reports, and this is just a, a search of news reports, it was eight years ago. Eight years ago, according to the Broome County Health Department, five members of an Endicott family were attacked in their backyard by a suspected rabid fox. Mm-hmm. June 2014. So my point is not to alarm people, but to inform people that it could happen here, even though, let's face it, that attack apparently wasn't caught on, on video, or else we would have seen it. But the fact that we were all, not just here in upstate New York, but even around the world, were mesmerized by that, that video that was circulating mm-hmm. on social media uh, several days ago. It's not as though that sort of thing couldn't happen here. Let's face it, rabid animals um, can and, and do attack, whether or not you have video cameras recording it. Absolutely. Um, and, and just another plug, too, Bob, is to make sure that people are getting their dogs, their cats, their domesticated ferrets um, vaccinated, and they can do so uh, at four months. So we have clinics. We partner with our um, Animal Aid and Relief Foundation to provide clinics throughout Broome County. You can go on our website and see when our next clinic is. And we want to just make sure that all of our pets are safe and vaccinated. Yeah. Keep your family pets safe and keep your family safe from rabies. It's it's something that during this time of year especially, but year-round, it's always always something mm-hmm. people should should keep in mind just a couple more things and then i'll let you go um west nile virus we don't hear anything about that anymore so are are the mosquitoes on strike have they they stopped spreading west nile virus now you know when we uh we usually get the information um from a provider who would think that a can a patient would be a candidate and get them tested and we haven't had any uh any reports this year um, that I'm aware of, of of West Nile virus. Which to me seems a little surprising. seems to me, just from my unscientific research, that mosquitoes this summer have been mm-hmm. quite active. Yeah, and, and it could just mean that people haven't gone to seek care or that there really hasn't been um, anybody who's been infected. All right. Well, stay tuned. That doesn't mean we won't hear some reports, too, going forward. True. Um, that's... True. Wear your, you know, go out and wear your longer sleeves if you're in an area that's got a high mosquito volume and um, take your spray with you and make sure that you're you're covered. And somewhat related, Lyme disease. I haven't heard a, a great deal about Lyme disease in recent months. Mm-hmm. And in Lyme disease, unfortunately, it's an endemic situation here uh, locally. And we have 
again, been covered by all these other diseases this summer, and uh, that's kind of been in the background, Bob. Are there any other any aware. other any other diseases or maladies that I haven't covered that need attention today? It seems like we probably touched on a, a half dozen. I think you touched on most of them. It's like the most comprehensive yeah. coverage of public health issues ever in the history of the <laughs> state. I don't believe. Well, I didn't. My intent was only to cover three, and then I thought, well, what if there are three others that some people might wonder about? I mean, we're trying to be comprehensive, and also. By the same token, just because it's a a comprehensive interview, I don't want to discourage people from leaving their homes now. Right. No, no. Especially now when the weather is beautiful and you you want to get outside. Being outside is a great thing. Um, You know, but if you're in close proximity to other individuals, I think just being aware of how you can assess your individual risk for certain transmission of diseases. So wearing a mask. If that's, you know, something that you're going to do when you're out in public, it's a good thing um, to protect yourself. And by all means, getting vaccinated for any of the, the um, diseases uh, that we talked about today, uh, as far as polio and COVID, very important. One final note just about rabies. Have there been any recent confirmed cases of, of human contact with rabid animals that, that required um, people to receive treatment in Broome County? Is that something that, that's happened within recent weeks? Yeah, we've had a few that have required prophylaxis, yes. All right. In most cases, what, what were the types of animals involved? Oh, Bob, I, I don't have that detail of information. All right. But um, probably the normal bats right. and other, you know, well, the bottom line is, if a, if a bat enters your house, take precautions and, I, I suppose, presume, even if you don't know, presume that the rat, the rat, that the bat might be rabid. Mm-hmm. Just, yes. you know. Yes, that's what you always need to, to presume. And if you can catch it safely, we do have a video that people can watch on how to catch a bat safely if you've been bitten or if there is a child sleeping in a bedroom um, and there's a bat in there or somebody who um, is mentally impaired and unaware, um, it's always good to try to catch that bat using the protocol that we put in place and get that bat for testing. Mary McFadden from the Broome County Health Department, thanks for um, your time covering several important issues today. Thank you, Bob. Have a great one. You too. It's 1039. This is News Radio, WNBF 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and streaming live at WNBF.com. If you have something to discuss, now is the time to call. You can have an actual conversation with a real person on the radio, 607-772-1290, to talk on WNBF. This is Bob Joseph. It's Tuesday morning. You're listening to News Radio WNBF.
those monkeys. And apparently the FBI was monitoring the monkeys, and probably for good reason. Because, let's face it, in the 60s, they were very, very, very popular. So they probably were up to something. So the monkeys have an FBI file, apparently. And now uh, Mickey Dolan's the only remaining member of the monkeys who is still with us, he wants the full file from the Federal Bureau of Investigation. The Federal Bureau of Investigation. <laughs> and I just punched up the file of the monkeys from the FBI. I'm not kidding. They have a file. You would think this would all be part of a, a sick joke. No, it's not. The FBI has a file. It says Federal Bureau of Investigation. Cover sheet. Subject, the monkeys. So maybe the former guy has a point. Page two. Description of following file material. And there's a handwritten thing. It says, the monkeys. No duplication fee for this page. So... Okay, now I'll take a closer look. Page three. By the way, some of the things have been redacted. <laughs> I'm not kidding. They have. I'm looking at the monkey's FBI file right now. Investigation periods: March 26 through June 21st, 1969. Reporting office: Los Angeles. Radio, TV industry. The monkeys file. <laughs> Investigating the monkeys. As I say, you know, now I'm starting to think the former guy might have some kind of a point. Los Angeles letter dated November 21st, 1966. File 100 138754. The only thing missing here is Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. Regarding a review of the security index of the Los Angeles office concerning subjects contained therein who are connected with the film industry in the Hollywood area. A few things have been redacted. One part says confidential, and then somebody X that out. <laughs> the monkeys. The next page. Most of it has been heavily redacted. I would say about 80%, 85% of the next page has been almost totally redacted with somebody who apparently got hold of the former guy's Sharpie. Additional activities denouncing the U.S. policy in the war in Vietnam. That's the only thing that remains from that page. Next page, mostly redacted. For television show The Monkees, this series, which has been quite successful, features four young men who dress as, in quotes, beatnik types and is geared primarily to the teenage market. During recent weeks, the four stars of the show have been making public appearance tours throughout the U.S. That the Monkees concert was using a device in the form of a screen set up behind the performers who played certain instruments and sang as a combo. Combo, the word is in quotes. During the concert, subliminal messages were depicted on the screen, which in the opinion of someone, probably Ephraim Zimbalist Jr., the name has been redacted, 
in the opinion of some brainiac, constituted left-wing innovations of a political nature. These messages and pictures were flashes of riots in Berkeley, anti-U.S. messages on the war in Vietnam, racial riots in Selma, Alabama, and similar messages which had received unfavorable response from the audience. And another page, almost totally redacted. Anyway, you could look it up. It's on your computer, the FBI in color investigating the monkeys. The reason I bring this up is Mickey Dolan says, I want the entire FBI file, not just the seven pages that were released several years ago. About a decade ago is when that tiny portion of the FBI file focusing on the monkeys was released. Now, Mickey Dolan's has filed a formal request to get the entire monkeys file from the FBI. So, there you go. The FBI, the Bureau, who knows how many special agents they had working the monkeys investigation. Sten 49, WNBF. John from Binghamton. Can you believe it? The FBI investigating the monkeys. Uh, well, as I understand it, if you uh, do the request on a dead person, as long as you send them the obituary or some proof of death, you can get all the information on that. So, I mean, for example, well, you know, so you should, he should be able to uh, get uh, a lot of information because a lot of those people have passed on. I met the guy once. You know, Mickey he, Dolan's you met? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, and uh, this is, you know, after the monkey 73 in there. Yeah. He was out and about, you know. Uh, and, what was your uh, impression? Uh, well, there's Mickey Dolan's, and there he's grimacing, a fellow that he was trying to get another record deal, I think. Uh, so he was uh, a guy that I knew that didn't last long as head of Capitol Records was uh, was there at the bar. So he was, but you know, he was out, out. Uh, you know, he, uh, my impression was he he had a lot of facial tics and weirdism. So he he he. I mean, he looked like uh, oh, I don't know what he looked like. He well, I don't want to say that. No, that'd be <laughs> nice. One one yeah. other question. Did you ever meet Michael Nesmith? No, never did. Because mm-hmm. he, he came up with what I thought was one of the most remarkable movie of the 80s. Did you ever see The Repo Man? No. No, I didn't. But, uh, <sighs> well, he, Michael Nesmith was one of the producers. And, um, yeah, from March 1984, it was the... I'll just say it was the darndest thing. If you ever see that available on some streaming service or, or whatever, it's only about an hour and a half long but it's it was well ahead of its time well uh take it from uh frank zappa he always uh, spoke highly of them and uh oh by the way that that guitar and valerie was the guy named louis shelton who uh, later went on to fame and fortune with the uh, seals and cross but what i called to to talk about and i know people uh, question my bona fides or they look to my past i I just want to say one thing that I only had the Rolling Stone magazine at, at fifteen for the uh, black and white pictures of bare chests. I I never <laughs> I never read the article. Uh, <laughs> with all the with all the the stuff that was encouraging the the youth the uh, the young people of the nineteen sixties to uh, 
probably uh, drop well, out Janice and Janice, turn on. Yeah, Janice Joplin was just the tip. Uh, I almost said the tip of the iceberg. There was a lot of us second rate or B and C level uh, female singers who would do outlandish things at the time. But uh, I wanted uh, the revitalization of Endicott. You know, we've heard all this. Uh, jazz about Binghamton University and Main Street and everything else. I I uh, tend to look at things uh, the way they evolve and not the way the politicians or the university types think they're going to evolve by spending money. And one of the interesting phenomena to me is uh, the proliferation now of drag shows on Washington Avenue. Uh, there's a drag show on, or, or off of Washington Monroe. Uh, that's going. That's been going. Uh, there'll be another one in September, and there'll be something called a drag brunch uh, at this uh, new banquet facility uh, by the high school, and that's on Sunday, and that's in the same block as St. Ambrose, uh, $42, I guess. And, uh, you know, the mayor of Endicott, uh, they were all talking great about this banquet facility. In the river. But I'd like to know what the Endicott Board of Trustees uh, what the mayor of Endicott uh, thinks about this uh, uh, incredible uh, up of uh, Endicott. And, uh, you know, it, 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 one can speculate uh, that a bar that has these kind of shows, uh, that there is the possibility, possibility of other activity occurring uh, during these, quote-unquote, performances. So to uh, the but that's mayor. true of a lot of performances, John. I mean, oh yeah. I mean, well, you know, at the arena, at a at a baseball game. I mean, anything can and sometimes will happen at some sort of live performance. Sometimes when you least expect it. Yeah, but all I'm saying is this, and I think an opinion, and I have an opinion on this that. Uh, female impersonators, transvestites, whatever you want to call them, uh, really generally uh, aren't something that, uh, uh, while they may appeal to a, a select group, uh, they don't have wide appeal. And in fact, and in fact, they're a turnoff. Uh, they make families with children want to run in the other direction. So I, I'd like to know uh, what uh, the mayor's feelings on this. She talks about lithium batteries and the battery capital of the world and Stanley Whittingham and all this high-tech stuff. Uh, how does this uh, a drag show mania uh, in Endicott uh, uh, fit in with all this? All right. We'll uh, put that out there. Maybe we'll get some uh, comment on that next hour as we continue our Tuesday program. Thank you, John. Let's go to Joe in Ithaca. Good morning. Today is the day we give babies away. Did you know that's a uh, child's uh, nursery rhyme? No, I'm not familiar with that one. Yeah, it's very, very old. Anyway, I call it heavy topic abortion. There's five points I'd like to make upon that. Well, I have, to, I have to caution you. Actually, why don't we um, hold off until next hour? Because, yeah, let's, because let's the, that, the okay. news is fast approaching. If you're going to attempt to... Um, get into multiple points I, I can tell you now you you would be uh dissatisfied with the amount of time we have so um yeah, i encourage you to call back sometime uh oh maybe sometime after eleven fifteen. 
Yeah, let's do that. But also, uh, let's do a little quickie here, okay? Sure. The roundabout, okay? If you're new to a roundabout, the thing to do is go in there and go around in circles a few times until you get familiar with the exits and so on with that. Yeah, until the traffic officer pulls you over for suspicion no, I mean, of um, being troubled. You don't do it a, you don't do it a hundred times, but you go around maybe twice or three times or something like well, that. Well, that's true. You, see, yeah. you know, get yeah. yourself acclimated. I mean, that I guess that would apply to any new traffic pattern if yeah, you're. But that's a way to you sure. know, can acclimate with that and yeah. uh, go around and. Uh, get familiar with it and uh, then it won't uh, won't bother you. Yeah. you know? Very very wise suggestion. Thank you, Joe. I believe we'll hear from him a little bit later as we continue our Tuesday Festival of Radio Fun. This is Bob Joseph on News Radio WNBF 92.1 FM 12:90 a.m. and streaming on wnbf.com. News Radio you're listening to News Radio WNBF Binghamton. A talk show host life is always intense. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. Here's Kathy White. Could have some rocky weather for the next uh, 24 hours, possibly. Good chance of showers and thunderstorms for today and tonight. Temperatures today still in the 80s. Pennsylvania State Police say a New Jersey man is hospitalized with serious injuries after crashing an all-terrain vehicle in Susquehanna County on Friday evening. Troopers say 61-year-old Robert Macon of Bayonne was driving the ATV south on Lester Road at the intersection with Hamlin Road in Forest Lake Township at around quarter of seven when he failed to negotiate a curve and lost control. Authorities say Macon's Yamaha Kodiak overturned and Macon was thrown from the vehicle. The New Jersey man was airlifted from the scene by the Guthrie Life Flight helicopter. Troopers say he was taken to Guthrie, Guthrie Robert Packer hospital in Sayre. The crash remains under investigation. A news release from the Pennsylvania State Police indicates Macon could be ticketed for operation of the ATV on streets and highways. While the driver involved in a single vehicle crash near Cincinnati over the weekend is under the legal drinking age, Cortland County Sheriff's officials say it's believed alcohol played a factor. Deputies say they responded to a report of a pickup truck into a tree at around 11.08 p.m. on Saturday. The authorities say they found the 20-year-old Anthony Bush of German, New York, was driving the pickup on McFarland Road when the vehicle left the road and hit the tree. The sheriff's office reports the 20-year-old was alone in the pickup at the time of the crash, and he was not injured. Investigators say they determined Bush was driving the truck while he was under the influence of alcohol. Bush was subsequently arrested and ticketed. According to the deputies, the Shenango County man is being charged with a misdemeanor count of driving while intoxicated, driving with .08 or higher alcohol in his system. Bush is also being ticketed for violation of speed, not reasonable and prudent. Bush has been ordered to appear in the town of Cincinnati's court next month. Well, you don't know what you might find for sale at the Great New York State Fair in Syracuse, and not all of it is legal. On Saturday, troopers say they arrested a California man for criminal sale of a controlled substance. Authorities say they arrested 27-year-old Brian Johnston of Elk Grove during an investigation that's being conducted by the New York State Police Violent Gang and Narcotics Team into illicit narcotic sales on the grounds of the state fair. Authorities say they found the California man in possession of 14 grams of cocaine, 5 ounces of cannabis, and over $3,200. Johnston is charged with felony counts of criminal sale of a controlled substance and criminal possession of a controlled substance with the intent to sell. Johnson was sent to the Onondaga County Justice Center.
The Copernic Observatory and Science Center in Vestal says it still has openings today for people to donate blood to the American Red Cross. Several blood drives have been held at the observatory on Underwood Road for the past year and a half, but there is still a big need for donors. Today's drive runs from 1 until 6 p.m., and donors will receive a complimentary ticket to come to the observatory for a Friday night viewing through the telescopes. Those who give blood, platelets, or plasma in August are automatically entered for a chance to be one of three lucky winners of a gas for a year contest worth $6,000, plus a $10 e-card to a merchant of the winner's choice. Organizers say the most successful drive at the observatory in the past raised 30 pints of blood, and the hope is to raise even more today. Officials say they have set a goal of 44 units to be collected. For each pint of blood collected, up to three lives can be saved, and the impact reaches further to family, friends, and others associated with those recipients. For information on donating and to register, go to Copernic. Dot org. In political news, President Joe Biden will be pushing a new ban on assault-style weapons when he talks about his crime prevention plans in Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania today. The trip comes as Democrats and Republicans look for leverage on law enforcement issues ahead of the midterm elections in November. White House Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre says Biden will focus his remarks on, quote, the importance of making sure we protect our communities. Crime is a particularly fraught issue in Pennsylvania, which, of course, is a swing state where a U.S. Senate seat and the governor's office are up for grabs. The WMBF Twin Tiers forecast clouds today an 80% chance of showers and thunderstorms. Storms could produce gusty winds and heavy rain high in the mid-80s. Tonight, the same. Clouds, an 80% chance of showers and thunderstorms. Some of those storms could be strong. Patchy fog toward morning and a low in the low 60s. Patchy fog for Wednesday morning, 30% chance of showers and a high in the upper 70s. This is where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WMBF WMBF. Dot com and 92.1 FM. News Radio 1290 WNBF. Bob Joseph live on Tuesday morning, 92.1 FM, 1290 AM. And streaming at WNBF.com, always available for you. If you have the free WNBF app on your device, Install it carefully. If you need assistance installing it on your device, just ask your son or daughter or perhaps your grandchild, and they will have it installed for you on your device. So fast, it'll make your head spin. Free WNBF app so you can always be connected with the very best radio station in America. 607-772-1290 is the number. Again, 607-772-1290 is the number to speak on this Tuesday morning. I misspoke a few minutes ago. I meant to say a radio man's life is always intense. <laughs> no, I'm not camping out at the corner of Portland State. Intense. <laughs> Should, though. Anyway, that uh, brings back, as they say, some memories. Hope your Tuesday is off to a fun start. We are, as always, glad to be part of your day. Hopefully you can make it uh, a routine part of your weekday. We're on from 9 to noon. If for some reason 
you're unable to hear the entire live broadcast, we will duly note that they somehow upload it to our website as a podcast every day. Well, let me be more accurate. Most days. Do they do it every day? Mm, Honestly, I don't think so. I don't think they do every day. It's 11-12 at WNBF. Broome County Sheriff David Harder and his people have been busy at their global headquarters in the town of Dickinson lately. Good morning, Sheriff Harder. Good morning. I have the other sheriff standing here with me also for a backup. Who's there? (laughs) The other sheriff. Oh, yeah. I I saw him this morning, too, when I stopped by your global headquarters. He he, uh, showed me around the pistol permit office. And I appreciated that. Had a chance to uh, speak briefly with you on my way into the station. So uh, I stopped by because I knew that uh, there would be crowds before the pistol permit office opened at eight thirty. Tell me about what's been going on over the last several days. Well, people are trying to get in here, of course, before the September first, uh, to go through all those new requirements, and that's caused us a big jam. I mean, we have people waiting up to two hours. Uh, they actually started arriving at quarter to seven this morning, and the enforcement office doesn't open until eight thirty. And the fact is, there are only a limited number of people who staff the pistol permit and identification office, and it takes time to handle all these applications. I mean, it's not as though they can handle fifty or a hundred applications a day. It, it takes each each person who applies has to be handled individually. Yeah, the big part, part there, of course, is the, the fingerprinting. And you only have one machine called LiveScan, so you can only do it one person at a time. So it's a slow process, unfortunately. And, you know, every day, normal use, there's no, there's no problem, you know. But when they start coming in the door, uh, you know, a dozen or 20 at a time, it creates a big backlog on us. But, you know, it's the, the great thinking about those people in Albany. They have no brains in their head. Uh, they just dream these things up. Uh, expect them to happen overnight, and uh, there's no thought to the process whatsoever, none. Uh, and, and that's what occurs. And they still don't have the answers on what has to be done. Well, as you point out, the new rules are to take effect Thursday in less than 48 hours, and these rules will make it more difficult to carry a, a gun to get a concealed weapon permit in New York State. But you and other sheriffs across the state are in the dark about a lot of the specific regulations. They still haven't been provided by the state police or anybody else in Albany. Well, and part of that, too, even the state police don't have the answers because the Division of Criminal Justice doesn't have the answers. they got to ask somebody else in the governor's office what the, what's going on and how they interpret this. Uh, it's a mess, which is typical. So what do you make of this? I mean, I know from talking with you and, and the undersheriff today and some of the other people at the, the pistol permit office, this is a scene that happens with some frequency every time that there's talk that uh, regulations are going to be changed in New York State. there There's a sudden rush to your office and similar offices around New York State. Well, that's because of the short period of time they give it. You know, the, and years ago, they used to ask the sheriffs and, and other people, well, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And a new law coming up. And then when they passed the law, it would make effective like November, 
or January. So there would be a time period to get, to get things straightened around. These here overnight ones that they, they do, you know, oh, my gosh, somebody just shot some. Oh, we better pass a law against that right away, you know, within two days. Nobody has an answer. Albany is a mess. So what's the situation now? Has, has the place uh, cleared out? Is it calmer than it was uh, when I was there about oh, three no. hours ago? No. No, it's still growing. Uh, we got people waiting up to two hours. I even pushed a lot of chairs out in the lobby so they can sit and, and the best they can and wait for their turn. Uh, it'll be that way right up. The only other answer we have is, and what I can keep the people going on overtime, is put them on overtime and, and try and keep up with it. But, uh, you know, the other part of the law, if you look to take a look at it, I mean, uh, the judge is supposed to interview anybody that's applying for a pistol permit for about 15 minutes. Now, we do at least 800 permits a year here. Where is he supposed to find all this time and handle his court cases? So who, who is handling these requests now for Broome County? Just Judge Cawley, or is it more no. than just him? Judge Cawley is no longer doing it. I think it's Judge Noonan now is down in... Young. Young, I'm sorry. Judge Young down in family court. And they're buried. I don't know how they're going to find time for 800 more people. So in theory, based on the way the law is written, Judge Young would have to find a way to actually speak to interview for 15 minutes 800 or more people correct yep and and do his caseload besides that what sounds unrealistic well again the great minds of all there you go so right now i'm sure some of our our listeners would like to get their application in in Broome County before the new rules take effect on Thursday, September 1st. Is there a way at this point, say somebody who's listening today at 1117, is there any way that they can be accommodated to at least get in before the new uh, restrictions will officially take effect in New York? Uh, If they get early enough, they might be able to get them in. We're squeezing them in the best we can every day. I mean, like I say, you know, we're used to doing, you know, maybe a dozen a day or so, but we're doing a dozen an hour, people flowing in, maybe 20 people at a time coming in the doors, backed up. And then towards the uh, middle of the day, we tell people that you might just as well go home because we don't have enough time to run you through. So, uh, our, not, our, not, the only sure, not the only sheriff's office had the same problem. All across the state, they're having that same problem. Right. So are you actually putting some people on overtime to try to accommodate as many as many county residents as possible? We're, we're, we're starting to do that some, yes. We, we'll see how much more we can do. I mean, you know, the course of workers are here at 10, 12 hours a day now, so they're, they're getting tired. So if you had one message for Governor Kathy Hochul with respect to weapon, gun regulations, and and things of this nature, what would your message be to the governor? Look into it a little bit more. Talk to the people that have to do the actual work and uh, do the actual fingerprinting, the actual the whole process. Let's start talking to some of them and see what, realistically what can be done and how much time they need. Broome County Sheriff David Harder, anything else you wanted to add? Nope. Thanks very much for your time, and uh, good luck to the citizens out there that are trying to get their permits. All right. Thank you for your time. That's Sheriff David Harder in the town of Dickinson with uh, the situation I saw for myself. There were, I think when I 
arrived at the sheriff's department, looked to me, a couple of dozen people were already in the lobby before the office opened at 8.30. That is the number, the email address for thoughtful commentary. Bob at WNBF.com. Send an email if you want. may read some on the air. You just never know. This is WNBF, 1290 AM, 92.1 FM, and always available on your WNBF app. Save on... Run, don't walk, or walk, don't run. Whatever, whatever uh, seems safest to you. That's my motto. Be safe, not sorry. WNBF, good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Yes, Joe of Greater Ithaca. Welcome uh, welcome back, Joe. Yes, the topic, abortion. The uh, five points. First, the most important one. You've heard about the 10-year-old girl that, you know, had to leave the state. But if you look at things about the morbidity, morbidity, morality, mortality of uh, anyone less than 15, it's very significant. And then I'm reading some stuff from New York Times here, and I could pass it on if we need to. But anyway, it also mentions that uh, girls under 15 are much more at risk giving birth than those 16 to 19. And it even says that uh, although 16 to 19 has twice the mortality rate of women 20 and over. So that shows the need for abortion for particularly teenagers and younger people because the, the risk is, uh, people don't think about that, I think. It's just, well, giving birth, people do that every day, but it's, it's a fair amount of risk involved in that. Uh, the, the next point is uh, spontaneous abortions. They call them, some people call them uh, miscarriage. But spontaneous abortions occur just about a third of the time, fairly early in the game when something isn't working right. And stillbirths, 24,000 a year in the country. Just trying to put, put abortion in kind of a perspective here, what it really is. And uh, point number three, the, uh, the anti-abortion, that comes from someone's religion. It's not a uh, it can become political, but it's really just someone, and it may be someone else's religion that's been uh, uh, carried to extreme. Uh, the the uh, fourth point is, are we just reached officially eight billion people on this planet? And uh, they might they might say that's not a reason to have an abortion, but boy, that's that's what really what our what our root cause problems in this planet are. It's just so many people here to take that into account. And finally, uh, it, it costs, uh, just seeing this recently, it costs over 300000 to bring a child up to 18 with that. And uh, uh, maybe some people think it shouldn't be a factor, but I think it certainly is with that, that uh, being able to afford it. In other words, having two children instead of four, uh, the stress and so on that it causes. But uh, that's about all I have to say. All right. Well, interesting points. I I certainly am not in the prediction business, but I wouldn't be surprised at some point in the 
future, the United, Supreme, United States Supreme Court will revisit the issue and issue um, a different ruling than the one that was issued several weeks ago. Well, let me let me say this: that as far as the Supreme Court goes, I think they're going to be out of the picture here. It's going to have to be a federal law on on this and be done with it. You know, so the court just will change back and forth. And, and yeah, all. well, that's that's probably true. But, Ultimate, ultimately, yeah. probably Congress will have to uh, address the issue, and that that should uh, while that's being debated, I bet the ratings for C-SPAN will increase a bit. Oh yeah, yeah. People watching, seeing what's going on. It's uh, going to be uh, helter skelter for the uh, election coming up here. Yeah, uh, so, uh, so. important topic. Fascinating. Appreciate your call. Okay. Bye bye. Eleven twenty-five at News Radio WNBF WNBF dot com. If you have thoughts, opinions, go ahead. Make my day. Call in, and I may. I haven't decided. I haven't decided. I may read an email between now and noon on the air. So if you've sent an email today, it very likely will be considered for broadcast on this program. So don't touch that dial. WNBF, WNBF.com. You wash your hands. Eleven twenty-seven, WNBF Binghamton, taking a look at the latest forecast from the United States Weather Bureau. Oh, you want me to read it on the air? Oh, I just wanted to have me take a look at it. Okay, well, if uh, you want it read on the air, I suppose I can do that at uh, no additional charge. You need to get a new mouse here. Something happened to the old mouse. Here it is, the forecast for the Binghamton region on WNBF showers and thunderstorms today i'm told that even as we speak there are showers and thunderstorms couldn't tell for sure because i'm in a secure facility deep beneath the ground of downtown binghamton but uh, according to somebody's tweet there is rain in downtown binghamton high today 84 rainfall today between one quarter and one half of an inch Tonight, showers and thunderstorms, and then patchy fog, low 62. Rain tonight between one-half and three-quarters of an inch. Tomorrow, some patchy fog, otherwise mostly sunny, high 78. Thursday, delightful, sunny, high 73. And right now, downtown Binghamton. Really need to change the mercury in this thermometer. It's 82. At WNBF, WNBF.com. Now, you're asking yourself, well, Bob, will there be some hazardous weather today? To which I reply, yes, Virginia, there may be some hazardous weather today. Isolated severe storms and localized flash flooding possible. Showers and thunderstorms 
especially this afternoon through early evening. A front will move into the region. A few of the strongest thunderstorms could become severe with damaging wind gusts and locally heavy rainfall. That could lead to ponding of water on roads and even isolated flash flooding, especially in urban and poor drainage areas. So if you live in an economically challenged drainage area, keep an eye open, especially uh, you people live near the underpasses or drive through the underpasses. I don't want to be watching Action News tonight and see a picture of your Yugo stuck in the water at the underpass because you decided to disregard that catchphrase about turning around. Well, I've got a Yugo. It it goes through anything. Well, it might not. Then you find yourself on Action News or News Channel 34 with Jim Emke or Fox 40 News or Spectrum News. Joe Biden is uh, still planning to visit Wilkes-Barre. So I I think I think it would uh, behoove people to stop down and and wave as he goes by. I think it'll be uh, intriguing. Hopefully he receives an appropriate welcome from the folks at Wilkes-Barre. As we mentioned earlier, he was supposed to visit Wilkes-Barre previously and it got canceled after he tested positive for COVID-19. So let's hope that there is no repeat of that scenario. People are all revved up looking forward to a presidential visit. One of our listeners brought up a question. I didn't cover it when we were speaking with Mary McFadden from the Broome County Health Department about your home COVID test. Some people probably ordered home COVID test earlier this year, and then you look at the expiration date and you say, oh, my goodness, it's it's expired. Now all I should do is just toss it out. Well, maybe not. Maybe, maybe you don't. Maybe you don't need to toss it out so let's see what this story says so according to the food and drug administration the at-home covid tests do have a specific shelf life as well if you look closely at a specific expiration date of course if you look closely you'll see probably almost all of them were made in china so that is reassuring Shelf life is how long the test should perform as expected and is measured from the date the test was manufactured. The expiration date listed on the box label for at-home COVID tests is set at the end of the shelf life and is the date through which the test is expected to perform as accurately as when manufactured. So they did extend the life of some of these COVID tests, they have different different shelf lives for different tests. You know, thanks, thanks to the FDA, I'm looking at a list of about two dozen home COVID self-testing kits, and some 
are now good for longer. Some are less. If you have a home COVID test kit and it's expired, you probably should check on the Internet to see for that specific test to see if it's still okay to use, see if it's going to be accurate. The other problem, as many people have deduced over the last year or two, home COVID tests are not 100% accurate anyway. So uh, bottom line is you get a negative result and you go out and then find out later you were really positive. Maybe you inadvertently exposed other people to COVID or the other way around. It can happen. So can only do the best you can. I'm sure, I'm sure when COVID-23 rolls out in the next few months, I'm sure that the test for COVID-23 will be more accurate. Or I hope, I hope. It's 1135 at WNBF, 607-772-1290. Notice that we haven't really talked about the Department of Justice at all today and what they're up to about the special master. I think we'll talk about the special master request from the Justice Department coming up, and we may talk about a few of your favorite things as well. Bob Joseph, right here, Tuesday morning, WNBF. Some per- News Radio, WNBF. It's 1138, WNBF and WNBF.com. Tuesday morning something that you needed to do during August, you better get it done today or tomorrow, or else you'll have to concede that the month was a giant loss. That's right. August is almost over. According to AP, the Justice Department is going to respond today to Donald Trump's legal team's request for a special master to review the documents seized during the FBI raid at beautiful Mar-a-Lago. The filing is due ahead of a hearing set for Thursday in which Judge Aileen Cannon is set to hear arguments on the matter. Trump's lawyers have asked for the appointment of a special master who would be tasked with reviewing the records taken during the search of Trump's Florida property and setting aside documents protected by claims of legal privilege. The judge says it is her preliminary intent to appoint such a person, but she also gave the Justice Department an opportunity to respond. The department has already completed its review of potentially privileged documents and identified some materials that potentially contain attorney-client privileged information. According to the AP story, the Trump legal team has grown with the addition of another attorney, Chris Kies, Florida's former solicitor general, 
He's joined the team of lawyers representing Mr. Trump, according to a couple of people who blabbed to a reporter, even though they were not authorized to discuss the move by name. Uh, Chris Kyes did not respond to messages from AP seeking comment. So that's the deal there with respect to a special master. Now, it looks as though, according to someone who has posted a video recording on Twitter, it looks as though uh, Donald Trump this morning has been very, very active on his fake Twitter account. Remember, Donald Trump was kicked off Twitter because of bad behavior, so he started his fake Twitter. And so he's been busy just in the last few hours on his fake Twitter, sending out all sorts of bizarro messages. (laughs) So if you subscribe to fake Twitter, if you're a member of fake Twitter, you can uh, take a look and see what Donald Trump has been posting this morning because he has been busy. I'll concede as a member of real, genuine Twitter, every once in a while I miss Donald Trump's posts on real, honest-to-goodness Twitter. But then I usually get over it and say, nah, nah, actually, real, genuine Twitter is actually much better without his presence. Let's take another phone call. Good morning, it's 1141 on WNBF. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Hi, hi, Bob. This is Carol from J.C. Uh, That... That Glenn Miller tune that you just played, I almost thought it was Little Brown Jug, but it was In the Mood, wasn't it? In the Mood by Glenn Miller? Yes, it was. It was the eternal classic. Yes, it is. I remember some of those Glenn Miller tunes were on the uh, individual booth jukebox selections at Red's Kettle Inn. I knew you were going to say that. (laughs) I knew... And and not because I saw it, but as soon as you started that sentence, I knew that it was going to end with Red's Kettle Inn. I just had that feeling. I yearn for the old days <laughs> when they had two shuffleboards there, and now they have a line of booths and yeah. things like that. I popped in there a couple of weeks ago to pick up a hot pie. Yes, and you have to call it a hot pie if you're getting it from them. But but th- this is not why I called about about the Glenn Miller tune. Uh, you t- t- uh, reminisce about Red's Kettle Inn, and then I'll talk about what I wanted to talk about. <laughs> oh, yeah. I just love the place. I I just wish I had pictures from when I was a kid. I have faint memories of Red's Kettle Inn, say, when I was a child. But I don't have any pictures of me at Red's Kettle Inn. I wish I did. But uh, the I pro- love all the... Oh, are you there? Yeah. Oh, something beeped. Uh, yeah, I loved the, all the old pictures that they had when they used to have clam bakes and things. Or Because sure. uh, one of the family members uh, had a cabin out someplace. Uh, well, Anthony the second, a junior, they called him, uh, up in the Adirondacks. They used to have, uh, you know, little get-togethers. But this is why I called. Can I talk about one of the commercials that you have on your, uh, like, that plays about every 30 minutes, about that Navage thing? Sure, everybody uh, loves it. Well, what, everybody loves the item that they talk about, or they love the commercial? Both. 
Well, we, I don't we know. get. I think we get more requests for that commercial than for any other commercial. I think it's <laughs> at least looking at the top ten. It's it's got to be up close to number one or two for well, the last I, few it, months. It makes me like laugh or or get become frightened when I think about when he says at the uh, the back of the nose is the top of the throat and it goes from one nostril to the other. I mean, you are. I was going to look this up in the dictionary just to make sure that I had the body parts correct between trachea, esophagus, and, uh, you know, whatever. But do you know how close that is to you drowning if you make, like, one false move? Try to swallow when you're holding your nose or try to swallow, you know, when you have a cold. It's, it's difficult. But that is so dangerously close to having water go into your windpipe. You couldn't pay me a million dollars to to do that thing. Just what about two million dollars? No, no, all the money in the freaking world. Oh, Carol, everyone has a price. Everyone has a price. If someone handed you, no, if someone came up to you on Main Street in Johnson City and said, Carol, I have five one million dollar bills and they're all yours if you'll just try this product. Just try it once. Follow all the directions, and then the $5 million can be yours. And then you can't sue them if something happens because you accepted payment. Sure, absolutely. I believe that's how it works. Well, I don't know how it works. I, you know, the bottom line is you know, right. we're, we're, we're in a, an overly litigious society, and I, I think the time for litigation is over. I think from now on, uh, of course, uh-oh. No, I changed my tune because what if Joe Stanley's listening? Can you imagine if Joe Stanley was driving around listening and he heard me <laughs> make an erroneous remark that the time for litigation is over? Can, he, he would he would be on the line so fast it'd make my head spin. That's his lifeblood. Yes. Well, not just him. There are a lot of other attorneys oh, yeah. and judges who listen. I, have I told you? I know there's one judge, and every day, every day... When the judge is not hearing a case, the judge is listening in chambers to this program. I know that for a fact. In secret. I don't know that it's secret. <laughs> it's, it, he's not ashamed of it. No, I imagine his staff is listening, too. They'd, here, here is the secret. He, he would never say so publicly, but I bet he, he's come to the conclusion that on an average day, that this program is more interesting than the cases he's hearing. It doesn't mean he doesn't take his job seriously. It just means that the truth is that this program on any given day, say like today, whatever's going on in courts here in the Southern Tier, they're all important cases. There's no such thing as an unimportant legal case. They're all important to the parties involved. But in terms of interest for the judge, look, judges are human too. Judges... In comparison. Yeah. I mean, it's tough work. And I suspect most judges want to, when they have a few free minutes between cases, sometimes I think they even adjourn. Like a, a case, if they hear a special <laughs> guest is coming up, like when they heard uh, Sheriff Harder was on, I bet they adjourned the, the case. He said, uh, the court will stand in adjournment for a, about 20 minutes. I had to do that with my fist because I put my gavel is over at my desk in the other room. So, yeah, everybody's listening, and, and I, think, I think they should. Well, um, so did I finish? I mean, did you finish saying anything about the, uh, 
the trachea. Oh, oh yes, this is going to be too much information. Well, then the don't reason, don't do it then. No, no, look, no. It, it, you're probably look. We're 12 minutes away from thousands of people getting set to enjoy lunch. No, no, it's not anything. Oh, like, okay. Well, then go forward. Well, be, it, it be gentle. It has to do with fiber optics, medical procedure, and nothing, it's like, you know, above the shoulders. (laughs) Darn. Yeah, I was going to say, for for the other stuff, we'll do it for the the program, our late night program, which will be debuting (laughs) soon. That way we we can push the envelope at late night. Well, fiber optics is a wonderful thing because this this is what I think is like too much information, but, uh, you know. I have had, because I had a larynx problem, it's not larynx, it's larynx, R-Y-N-X, okay, which people seem to mispronounce. But anyway, uh, I was having a larynx problem, and uh, back before they had fiber optics, I, you know those dental mirrors that they have, that they look at your teeth, you know, behind? Oh, yeah. Well, imagine one of them about tw- twice as long stuck down your throat to look at your larynx. It's like a white knuckle express. You're like hanging on to the to the handles of the chair you're sitting in, and uh, you know you're well, whatever, to see if there's anything wrong. But now with fiber optics, they put this thing up your nose and down your throat to look at your larynx. I don't know which one is worse, but with the first one, you know, try not to swallow. <laughs> try not to swallow. They do spray an anesthetic in your throat, you know, so you don't feel it as much. But uh, let me tell you, you, it's it's very interesting. And that's why, and I almost drowned once when I was a kid. If my cousin did not see me go under, uh, I wouldn't be here talking. And so uh, I know what it's like, you know, to like, well, I fainted in the water. You know, I was like, gasping for air, and then before I knew it, someone's carrying me. Where, at the CFJ pool? No, in the the Delaware River in uh, Hancock. We went to visit some relatives, and I walked to, I was used to swimming at the JC pool. You know, you walk to the deep end and, you know, swim back or whatever. So I swam out to the middle of the river to swim back to shore, and I stepped on a ledge underneath the water, and the current was very strong and just... I, I just still remember struggling, trying to get up, up, and, and I, I couldn't. It was very, but it never, you know, never occurred to me not to not swim again. I mean, I wasn't afraid of the water because of that. So, uh, whatever. How did we get on this subject? I think I'm talking about. Oh, you're talking about red swallowing water, red kettle in and hot pie. Water. I mean, one thing anyway, leads I, one thing leads to another. I know. I still think that Navaj thing is very trickily dangerous. You no. Know? And if you, no. If you did, did one I, little slip up, you could, you know, consume like a, a bunch of water. Yeah, but you like, could argue that with somebody drinking soda from a straw. One little slip up, and it goes down the wrong tube, and before you know it, you're you're being you're, hauled. You're being hauled. You know, lights <laughs> and siren down to the the trauma ward, and you you finally. You but know, you're, you're in control you're, of the swallowing. You're in control yeah, of the swallowing. But, this but, thing but, here, you have the suction. They're talking about suction. Oh my god. Oh, I love that. I I don't ask me why. I think it's it's time that that's an, it's an issue that finally is being addressed out out in the open. <laughs> I'm when sorry. I was a kid, we weren't allowed to talk about that. We could you couldn't talk about in polite society. You couldn't talk about suction. Am I right? <laughs> I don't. know. 
I don't think so. I, I have no idea. Which reminds me, Bill Clinton and Dr. Ruth Westheimer were seen last night down at the at the tennis game. Did you see? And, oh, and say, say the names again. Uh, Bill Clinton. He used to oh, run I, this. He used to run Dr. this country. Ruth yeah, Dr. Ruth, who apparently provides the device and the device yeah that too the the advice that people like bill clinton need so he's there and instead of paying attention to the <laughs> historic match he's asking for advice from dr ruth and i'm thinking what a combo well yeah I, I mean dr ruth you respect the other the other person i mean i think we know his record I want to I want to talk in that voice, but I can't. <laughs> I think Doug Moser was was Doug Moser really good at that? I think he was. I can't remember. He he did. Oh, doing the uh, oh, doing uh, William imitations. Jefferson Clinton. Yeah. Yes, he did imitations quite yeah. well. I miss that. You know, if there's not. if there's one thing I truly miss, it's that. Well, where is the rascal anyway? To get to a totally different subject, I don't know. Is it almost? Well, there's still time for another caller, Bob. What if I told you there are three lines blinking and I'm not going to take any of them? You know, well, I can do that, too. That, I mean, no, People prob- get mad at me. I don't want you to do that. So, no, that's... Because I'm talking nonsense. You know, that's okay. You know, but it's Tuesday. It's Nonsense Tuesday on the radio. So I'm basically using the power invested in me by the Federal Communications Commission and other authorities. I am just ignoring those three other lines. And it's... Not because I should; it's because I can. Well, I, I'm, I'm feeling very guilty now. It's it's the Catholicism. Oh, me. well, me too. I get to feel guilty oh. very easily. Oh, so forgive me, Father, for I allowed three people to to be on hold for seven minutes while I was talking to my friend Carol on the radio. Oh, speaking of that, it made me think of I don't know why I thought of the baseball game on the radio. So. So the Yankee, I want to tell everybody, it's the Yankee farm team in town this week. Go to the game. I mean, this is like, wasn't uh, this area a diehard Yankee fan because of the triplets? So let's get going and go to the game. Don't you think? Sure. You know, I'll tell you what, what really, can we be honest here, just in the final minutes of the program? You mean be like me? Okay, yeah. Can I be honest like you? So it really gets me is this schedule where whoever, whatever Brainiac came up with the ball, the ballpark schedule for this league. Thank you for the word ballpark. Thank yeah. Thank you for the word ballpark. Yes, because I'm a okay. traditionalist. So, so our ballpark was silent for the last two weeks because somebody came up with a schedule that gave us no Rumble Ponies games for, for a huge chunk of August. But then we had the opportunity to be in town for two weeks I know. Uh, earlier back. Oh, so. oh, I, no, I understand, I, and I'm not ignoring that. I'm just saying it's tough. It's tough when you have because I haven't been to many games this season. And it occurred to me it's almost September before you know it. In another uh, couple of weeks, the, se- the entire season will be gone. And so I had wanted to go to some games in the last couple of weeks and of course the schedule said well yeah you can go to a rumble ponies game but you have to go on the road because they they were you know the the schedule was an away schedule yeah i don't want to go to reading reading a couple times it's a nice old traditional ballpark yeah but it's near boscov's isn't it 
No, it's near railroad tracks. No, I mean, isn't uh, isn't Reading? Don't they have the headquarters for Boscow's in Reading? Yes, I even remember the address on the on the envelope. Oh my God, Percomanium, Percomanium, Perco, I don't know how it's pronounced, but I've I've always seen that on there. Because if you but, look up the address for their Boscow store here in Binghamton, even though it's owned by the Broome County Industrial Development Agency. That's the address it gives for the Broome County Industrial Development Agency, that Percomen or Percomian or whatever the avenue is. In, in, yeah, I in, think it's K-I-O-M-E-N. Okay. So that's the address when you look it up, even though that building that they've been using since 1984 is owned by the IDA, that's the address that's listed. It doesn't list the IDA's address. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Is IDA county or city? County. Oh. So, I don't know. It's just weird. It's There's no rhyme or reason. Anyway, thank you for spending oh, these... Oh, can I say one more thing? Quickly. Captain Marvel is going to make an appearance Friday night at the ballpark. Okay, I'll put that on my calendar. Thank you, Carol. And to those who are waiting on hold, I extend my profuse apologies. This is Bob Joseph, live and local. WNBF and WNBF. Com. Ray Maliotti. Joseph, be sure to tune in early tomorrow morning for First News Binghamton with James Kelly and Kathy White. And of course then, from 9 to 10, it's your favorite local call-in show. This is Bob Joseph, proud to say mission accomplished. listening to News Radio, WNBF Binghamton, WNBF.com.